You're listening to the Matchday FM podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Prem Talk by Matchday FM. Only, it's not really the Premier League this week. It's kind of. It's more the international break, but of course, we'll be touching on some topics that occurred during the last fortnight that will impact on the Premier League this weekend. I am Chris Coffin. I'm joined by none other than Mr. Christopher Stott. How are you doing, sir? And have you got through the international break unscathed? I have, yeah. I've managed to get through, not conceded too many goals. Um, so, yeah, I think, to be fair, I think it was a half-decent international break for once. Um, plenty to actually talk about. Um, so, yeah, I, obviously, though, great to be back talking Premier League with so much to come as well with, you know, a certain returning legend um, in Ronaldo. Yes. A few different plot lines as well. Some big, big games uh, to throw in there as well. So, yeah, good to be back to the Premier League, but I actually enjoyed the international break for once. Very good. Apologies if anyone I heard the little cameo by my dog buddy there, but uh, he's in now. What can I do? Uh, on, on England's international break, uh, of course, it was a 4 0 win over Hungary and Budapest, then a same score line against Andorra at Wembley, which I'm pretty sure you could have played in goal for, Stotty, to be honest with you. Uh, and then a 1 1 draw against Poland this week on Wednesday after a last-minute equaliser from the polls. Sorry, just before we focus on any of the football whatsoever, of course, the ugly, abhorrent scenes in Budapest. The booing of uh, when England took the knee, the cups and bottles thrown at Raheem Sterling, and then, of course, the alleged monkey chants aimed at the Manchester City winger when he went down inside the box. FIFA and UEFA can't seem to get their heads together over what to do. So, if it was up to you, how, how strong would the punishments be? Well, first of all, I think, obviously, as I said, UEFA had, I, I think, implemented some sort of crowd ban. Um, yeah, but, they had, but FIFA hadn't, which, yeah, was which, why the, which was why the same was full. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's still still a football match. Surely it should apply blanket rule, UEFA and FIFA, whoever. But that just shows the disjoint nature of international football really um but yeah that's got to be the bare minimum hasn't it you know several games behind closed doors hit the fa financially sanctions put in place um they've got to be there and i think it's also got to be a case of they've got to get the um you know the governmental authorities involved to try and tackle the issue you know, at its core, because, um, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, say anything untoward here, but it's clearly something that is an issue in, in, in the country. We saw it at the Euros um, at times. So, yeah, it, it's, um, it's a difficult one. Um, but you've got, you've got to, if, if UEFA and FIFA are, you know, intent on getting it out of football, then maybe you've got to get to a point where Hungary have to be kicked out of competitions to make them actually take a stand, you know, have to forfeit a game which knocks them out of the potential qualifying of the World Cup. So, you know, something like that might need to be the next step. 
That, that was going to be my suggestion, actually. Is it worth threatening them with being kicked out of a focal qualification, threatening them kicked out of European qualification? Just the ultimate deterrent. But I, as I say, it's uh, <clears throat> a fight that is ongoing, unfortunately, in this day and age. And uh, as you know, I heard Andros Townsend say this week, you know, they've just got to keep on fighting for it. The players, the pundits, they've just, just got to keep on fighting this battle against racism. Um, but sorry, I, th- I think you know, the, the Andorra game speaks for itself. Uh, the Hungry Games to a large extent on dominated possession, eventually found the breakthrough of four second half goals. The biggest challenge that they faced of the international break was against Poland. And for a lot of people, the game was almost an encapsulation of where England haven't been able to get over the the final step with Gareth Southgate in charge. Do you think that's fair to say just because they took the lead with Harry Kane, fantastic strike, but then almost after taking the lead, it was um, sit sit back for the rest quarter of an hour, 20 minutes. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think um, that's a fair, a fair assessment. Um, but what I tend to look at it as is, I think it's actually a Overall, it's a oh, yeah. good point. And it's yeah. a good no, point. I, I did say that during the game because ultimately the point has done no damage. It was just, it's rather the fact that the equaliser has created frustration. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think what people say about the substitution is not using them, I don't buy into. Because I'm a big believer. If your team is playing perfectly well, why change it? Especially, you know, the later it goes into the game because you've then got to switch on. And we all know Poland were going to come strong in that Final 10 minutes. So. First time since the 1996 Euro semi-final that England haven't used a substitution. Yeah, both finished one at all. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that, was, that, was that was 120 minutes. I know, that was crazy. That. I remember see, seeing that start and thinking, how on earth did they play <laughs> entire semi-final? Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, we can we can look at the fact that, you know, we've, we've conceded a late goal, but you would say if they don't concede that goal, People probably go game plan well executed. It that's just a it's fine a margin. Mark Pugach yeah. was saying just that. Yeah, exactly. I, I think yeah, the frustrations there, but in the bigger picture, in 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 the qualifying group, very good point. But yeah, I think when you boil down into it, there is something there to say. England have taken leads in recent big games. You look at the Euro final and not quite been able to hold out. Um, it's a learning curve. Um, yeah. There was a, ultimately there was a bit of bad defending, coupled with an unbelievable bit of skill by Moda, and then Lewandowski with a bit of bit of quality as well. Um, sometimes you can't defend quality, and sometimes these quality moments just happen, don't they? Um, but yeah, I think overall, when the dust settles, people go actually away in Warsaw in front of fifty odd thousand fans in a volatile atmosphere on and off the pitch um, against a, a very capable team. Poland massively underperformed at the Euros. Oh, yes. They have one of the best strikers has been for the last 20 years in Lewandowski. So it was always going to be a tough test. I would say, you know, if you're going to give it a grade, you give it a B grade because it was almost spot on, just not quite there. Yeah, and you know England's final four games of the group as well. Andorra away, Hungary at Wembley, presumably. <laughs> Again, Albania, presumably at Wembley. And then the final game away in San Marino. Let, let, let's get this straight. 
barring something remarkable and disastrous, England have qualified for Qatar, with all due respect to the other nations involved. Um, so it, 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 it's how you kind of approach that for the rest of this we go south because of course you can't you can't take your foot off the pedal but you know andorra and san marino for example that's two that's six guaranteed points again with all due respect to those countries so the two home and you'd, you'd want home games against hungary and albania so if anything the draw against poland in the by far and away the most difficult game of the group you've come away from it unbeaten and that is as you say probably the best way to look at it yeah definitely i think in qualifying, it's about getting to the World Cup. It's not about how you perform, yeah. is it? Um, because not nobody can look into a game against San Marino and Andorra and pick positives out of it because you're expected to beat them and beat them comfortably. Um, it's more how you know you, you pass the test of your Poland's, who are tricky opposition, four points from the two games when Poland will really have targeted those games. You could see they targeted the other night because it was a massive game for them in, in terms of their hopes. So, yeah, I, again, I, I think they've come, come through clean, really. Um, not many teams win every single game in qualifying. Yes, it's not the hardest group in the world, but Poland away for anybody is a tough tough test. Um, Hungary away it can be a tough test. We saw that in the Euros, effectively, didn't we? Uh, um, so... Yeah, I, I think there's a lot still to be positive about. Obviously, there is areas to improve on. Um, I think we saw Kyle Walker defensively is still not, you know, that might be one area. Um, maybe we didn't create enough. Maybe we could have gone full throttle a bit more, but it was the third game in a week as well. Maybe you point at the use of, of players there, potentially, but like I think was said in commentary, that's England's first 11. I would be playing that as often as I possibly could. And it's up to others to break into it. Um, and like I said, they were two minutes away from the perfect away performance. So I, I don't think we can be too critical. There will be people who will be. That's just football. That's just England. Um, but yeah, I'm positive about it. Ultimately, it's about getting to the World Cup. You know, how many times have we qualified with flying colours and nosedived at major tournaments? Now we're qualifying comfortably and performing at major tournaments. That's the key. You're listening to Matchday FM. I'm sure everybody who listens to this has seen... Oh, I, I can't even bring myself to use the word football kit. The third shirt or top um, for... For Manchester City. If you haven't seen it, it's basically what can only be described as a pyjama top. It's the worst football shirt I've ever seen. It's not even got a badge on it. Yeah, the, the badge is like in the background, isn't it, on the kit? And then yeah. repeating what it's... Um, I saw someone tweet that it was more offensive than the, the Super League idea, and I'd have to agree with that, to be honest. Maybe that's where all the um, the money that they should be signing on a strike has gone. Banter, debate, and the odd good point too. Right here on Matchday FM. And now, one of the biggest issues in the world of football over the last week or so, um, unless you've been living under a rock, of course, is uh, Brazil effectively taking on some of the Premier League clubs, to be honest with you. They've tried to invoke a five-day ban through FIFA for players that were called up for their World Cup qualifiers this week 
but didn't travel. Now, they didn't travel because Premier League clubs unanimously decided that they didn't want to send Premier League players, their own players, to countries where if they returned, or when they returned, rather, they would incur a 10-day quarantine. So, And then it all kind of kicked off when Emiliano Martinez and Emi Buendia, uh, Christian um, Romero as well, uh, went out to uh, went out to Brazil, and uh, of course we all saw the the drama of that Argentina Brazil game where the officials went on the pitch and the game had to get abandoned. Uh, and now I think Emi Martinez and Emi Buendia certainly are are banned for Villa's trip to Chelsea, which makes that task even harder for them. But the Brazil players that are set to be affected in the Premier League uh, for Liverpool, they are particularly uh, hit. Allison and Fabinho are suspended, uh, including the, uh, and Roberto Firmino, but he is injured at the moment. Uh, for Manchester City, Edison and Gabriel Jesus will miss out on their game at Leicester. Liverpool, of course, going to Leeds um, on Sunday. Thiago Silva, who isn't first choice at Chelsea, it has to be said, but he'll be sitting out Chelsea's games against Aston Villa and Zenit St. Petersburg because it affects Champions League games as well for these clubs. Uh, while Fred will miss United's clash with Newcastle and uh, their Champions League game away at Young Boys, which is a huge boost to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and co. I'm sure you agree. He's thinking the exact same thing. It's the best, <laughs> best thing that's happened this season, that. <laughs> Yeah, that, you can't you can't uh, force it out, but you can't uh, force Fred to play now. Um, but yeah, I said for me, allegiances aside, I think it's nonsense because why on earth should a club release a player to an international team when it's a fact they would have to quarantine for ten days on return? Uh, I guess your your reaction to the initial um, ban and then uh, your, just your thoughts on the whole situation overall. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, it just it's one of the complications of the world we live in right now I'm you know I'm totally in agreement that they should they should have to quarantine because um, the average person on the street would have to Um, but then I also think that the clubs are right to not release them and I think the Brazilian FA should take that into account really um, maybe have even just looked at moving the game somewhere to to allow them to be able to go in and out and have minimal an ambulance country perhaps. Or yeah, that, exactly. That, that kind of you know, maybe you have to find a workaround, or maybe you just don't play the game and you find a different spot in the calendar for it, um, so that it suits both parties. But yeah, it it is it's a bit of pill to swallow for. For a couple of clubs in particular, I think City and Liverpool will be hit hardest because it's the two first-choice goalkeepers who are going to miss the game. Um, City, I think, potentially looking at having to play Scott Carson um, because Zach Steffen's out with COVID. So That's a very good point. It's Yeah, it will have an impact. But at the same time, I think clubs will have known that this might have happened. Um, you know, they... It probably will have been aware of the fact that the Brazilian FA might want to impose some sort of sanction. So, um, yeah, I think it is something that, you know, is difficult to sort of manage for these clubs. Um, you know, like I say, the goalkeeper situation in particular for Liverpool and City <laughs> will be a difficult obstacle to overcome. Whereas, you know, for example, Manchester United will be looking at and thinking, yeah, we've lost Fred. Um, but oh, no. Anyway. United fans are glad. And United fans will also be thinking, 
City and Liverpool could drop points here because they're going to have to play at least the second choice goalkeeper. Uh, yeah. So two very tough away games as well for. Yeah, Liverpool, it, it makes it it makes it a very interesting weekend. Which you know it, they were two interesting games because City were at Leicester, aren't they? Um, or taking on Leicester, I can't remember if it's home or away, but yeah, um, yeah it's adding a, a level of intrigue we didn't see coming, um, and it could be something that happens again, though, and clubs need to be aware of that. I think there yeah. needed to be better communication, and it might have been avoided in some way or mitigated. But yeah, I, I think it's the way the world um, is right now, and you know, I it, think clubs would rather miss them now rather than yeah. have that extended quarantine period, though. Yeah. Um, but it's not just Brazil, really, because there's Mexico as well, which would affect, say, Wolves, Raul Jimenez, Paraguay and Chile. Have, you know, they've, they've also tried to invoke the, these five-day bans as well. But I, I just... It really does baffle my mind because there's a few clubs taking on Liverpool, for example. According to Sky, they've said that the, that Brazil have no basis to invoke this rule because why on earth, as I mentioned earlier, why on earth would you release a player fully well knowing that they would have to quarantine for ten days? I think it is absolutely bonkers that they would ha- that they would have to do it. To be honest, and the big question is are, as well, actually, Chris, is when does that five days start to apply? Because the five days start at the end of the window, so the five days effectively is from today to Tuesday the fourteenth. Because I know Liverpool, I know Fabinho and Allison would be available for Liverpool's game against AC Milan, but Thiago Silva wouldn't be available for Chelsea's game against Zenit St Petersburg on the Tuesday. Play the Tuesday, yeah. I mean, like, could they have just compromised and say? At least, you know, you have to release them next window or something. Um, Possibly, but it, it all the situation started, changes. The first I heard about this was when Liverpool were saying about not releasing Salah for games in Egypt, but releasing him for other games because, they, say, for example, they played Gabon. And he played in that game, but he didn't actually play in the games in Egypt. And then it turned into a wider Premier League uh, opinion or a wider Premier League action, if you like. And I think... It could it could turn a little bit ugly, couldn't it? To be honest with you, I mean, for Everton, Everton for example, Lair, Richarlison is going to be fine to play for Everton because he played for Brazil at the Olympics, uh, which is obviously a big boost for Everton ahead of their game against Burnley on Monday. But FIFA maybe got to be a little bit careful that it doesn't turn into a wider argument, uh, aren't because it, it possibly could, couldn't it? Yeah, and ultimately, clubs and countries are trying to find loopholes to suit their their means. So, yeah, FIFA and all the individual governing bodies probably need to get their heads together and, and work out the best situation for everybody, really. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, and one of the games that it affects, because I, I didn't, there's another player that I didn't mention, actually, who is uh, set to be banned as well, should these bans stand. And that is, of course, Leeds's winger Rafinha. And Leeds versus Liverpool, I guess, it, it's the game that... So it, it's the only Premier League game on Sunday as well, so all eyes on that. Um, it's the game that's biggest, or most effective, isn't it? And when you look at it from a Liverpool perspective, I know you've made your prediction, Stotty, I've made my prediction. The Premier League, our Premier League predictions article will be out later today on our Twitter account. Uh, and as far as you're concerned, I think the crowd could play a very big part 
in a potentially weakened against a potentially weakened Liverpool side, couldn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's not a stretch to say this is the biggest game in front of fans at Ellen Road for oh, ten years, if not more. Yeah, um, certainly in terms of the Premier League, because it will. I mean, it was. I was amazed the Leeds Everton game wasn't on TV. Amazed yeah. for the first full yeah. game back at Ellen Road. Hundred percent agree, because the atmosphere was great just coming through on match of the day. But terrifying. Oh, this is going to be this is going to be insane. Um, the Leeds fans generate such an atmosphere anyway. Um, but when you throw in, it's a massive game against a bit of a rival. There has been you know long-standing um, bitterness between those two sides as well. Um, also, you know, that respect as well, because uh, they, they go way back, don't they? And yes, it, it's got all the hallmarks of a classic for me. Um, yeah, you know, and there's the, plenty between the two. Yeah, the um, sort of the emotional factor of the crowds and the fact that it's two teams who want to go at each other. Um, there's going to be no, no sitting back from either of them, really, is it? Because um, I don't think the Leeds fans wouldn't allow it. But I don't mm-hmm. think Leeds would do it anyway. <laughs> That's just the nature of them, isn't it? And yeah, yeah you, a couple of notable absentees, but I still think there's plenty of quality and, and, and intrigue. Um, I'm intrigued to see how Bamford does up against an established centre-half like Van Dijk. Um, will he just try and avoid him and pull on to whoever plays alongside him? Um, that's going to be interesting. Um, how Leeds cope with the Liverpool attack and that midfield battle um, I mean for me I mean this is a completely unbiased opinion as well um, I think Calvin Phillips is the best midfielder on the park in that game I think he's one of the best in the league if I'm perfectly honest I think he's got everything I think his, his stock has risen through the roof oh, I I mean, we, we knew he was a good player in the, in the championship but his stock has flown through the roof this last yeah. year and I think um, he would be t- perfect in that Liverpool side, really, wouldn't he? Um, but I think good battle between him um, and whoever comes up against him. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if any of the Liverpool from three try and get in and around him a little bit more to disrupt him and give him something else to think about. I think there's a lot of nice tactical battles to to go on as well. Um, but I, I think it, it screams goals, doesn't it? Really? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't watch the game at Ellen Road last year because it was the, it was like a day or so. It was the day after the whole Super League announcement debacle. Um, so I, I made a point of not uh, not watching the game and fin- finishing a 1-1 draw with uh, Lorente's uh, late header. And Leeds actually were beaten against all of the so-called big six. I, I, I really hate saying that phrase. Um, but they were unbeaten against them at Ellen Road last season. And, uh, you know, it, it's been a funny one for Leeds so far, hasn't it? Because two points from three games is not... Yes, yes, Manchester United away, Everton at home, Burnley away, not the easiest set. But all of a sudden, losing against Liverpool, and then even regardless of fixtures, they have then got a very nice run coming up on paper. But then all, you wouldn't have expected Leeds to be in a situation where they've only got two points out of 12, would you? No, um, but... Like you sort of alluded to, it's not exactly been an easy start. Um, I think the Manchester United defeat 
That was a strange one because it was kind of when you consider how well Leeds did defensively towards the end of last yeah. season, it was kind of a hark back to the whole recklessness of the first. Yeah, hundred percent. It was ex- it was a carbon copy when they went to Old Trafford last season. You know, yeah. Um, Everton game, I think Everton have started well, so therefore a point against them is decent. Point away at Burnley is always, you know, you would take it um, because you know many teams don't get that. So. Yeah, I, th- I think if they get something, great. I, I think they'll win, personally. I, I, I think they'll nick it. I just think the, you know, the emotion will carry them through. But if they were to get beat, I don't think... I think the Leeds, Leeds fans are level-headed. I think, ultimately, they know, <laughs> they're not getting anybody better than Bielsa anyway, are they? So um, they'll never, I don't think they'll ever ask for Bielsa to leave, ever. Yeah. Um, they could lose 20 games in a row and they'll probably still love him. But um, it's one of those where... You got to take it with a pinch of salt, like you say. They've got a decent run coming up. That's where we're going to find more about Leeds. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I'm quite happy to put on record that they'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, <laughs> they're, too, I, they're I, far I, too good. They've got there far are too much quality. Three worst teams in the Premier League. Oh, I mean, you know, at least. I'm more. I would say that you know, right now, I feel more confident of Leeds finishing in the top half than Arsenal. Is an absolute given. The worst shot I've ever heard in my life. Absolute given. So, um, that's like that's something that I'm I'm confident about. Leeds will be absolutely spot on. And uh, I think one uh, the final point uh, for today's start or the final talking point we have mentioned him a few uh, times in the last few podcasts uh, and not Daniel James, but he is the man that's made way effectively for Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, Dan James, of course, moving to uh, Leeds and Cristiano Ronaldo. He'll do well at Leeds, Manchester by the way. United. He will do well, I, I think it could well suit their style of play. Um, just how excited are you at the prospect of Ronaldo's second Old Trafford debut against Newcastle, who are the only team that he's got a Premier League hat-trick against, by the way, for all you FPLers out there? Well, put it this way, as soon as it got confirmed, it, it was very much wild card. Get him in. Um, <laughs> I've managed to get him in without that. Damn me get. I, to be fair, I just rewrote my team because um, he needed doing anyway. Um, but, yeah. Honestly, if he scored a hat-trick, would you be surprised? I know Not I wouldn't. I, I, he's going to score. I just know he's going to score. We all know he's going to score. Newcastle know he's going to score. I was actually at Newcastle um, <laughs> the other week when it was getting confirmed and um, speaking to some Newcastle fans and, and they was like, to be honest, I, I, they're like, I can't wait to see him and we just know he's going to score against us. But it's like, we were, this fellow I was speaking to is going to be at the game and he was saying just, it's going to be great seeing him just because he is Ronaldo. He's one of the greatest ever. So, I mean, it's such a shame. It's, it's, it's a blackout game, isn't it? I mean, illegal streams are going to go through the roof. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be something special, I think. Um, match of the day is probably going to get its record viewing figures. It's going to be on first, even if it's a nil-nil, um, which it won't be. I fully expect United to wallop Newcastle. Um, I think the world expects that. But it's all going to be about that moment when Aldo comes out of the tunnel, isn't it? Um, and when he gets Absolutely. that first touch, when he scores that first goal, yeah, it's a it's a big big deal for the Premier League. This big yeah. deal, um, you know, and for the club, we've seen how much he's raised just by signing. He's paid his transfer fee in a week by selling shirts. It's incredible stuff, really, isn't it? 
Um, yeah, we we just all can't wait. And he's, he can he though that the big question is can he be the turning point for Manchester United in terms of going winning stuff? I think you know what they've lacked in the big games is somebody to pull out that bit of magic, dig them out of a hole. Look at that Europa League final, for example. Um, I pick up semi-finals, quarter-finals, Ronaldo would have done it in those games. So if United can get themselves in those situations, he could do it for them. And I'm sure he's going to get off to a good start. Absolutely. You've got Kieran Clark, Jamal LaSalle and co. will have it sleepless nights uh, on the Friday evening. Yeah, they're currently um, just praying. <laughs> yeah, just, no, please. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a shortened Prem Talk this week. Uh, but thank you very much, Chris, for uh, for joining me on this episode. Uh, I've got my team of the week on the Match AFM website. I'll be tweeting that uh, very shortly. And uh, I've got uh, we've got the Premier League predictions as well with myself, Chris, Harry Reynolds, Ryan Kirk and Joseph Richardson as well. Never call him Joseph. We'll stick to Joey. But uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Prem Talk. We'll be back next week to review Match Day 4. <laughs>